Jesus was called the Prince of Peace, and I know that in this uh, hectic season, sometimes it's hard to find. Uh, Kendall alluded to that a little bit earlier. It's very difficult sometimes, uh, even not at Christmas, even the normal uh, everyday life stuff makes it hard sometimes uh, for us to, to find peace. I, I found this parody of Christmas this week that I want to read. Uh, it's a, it's it, not, not often do you find parodies of Scripture, so hopefully you don't take this the wrong way. I'm not making fun of Scripture, but you will understand what I'm saying. Now, some of you are looking at me. You're real nervous right now, I can tell. Anyway, it says this, and there were some in the same country, children keeping watch over their stockings by the fireplace, and lo, it was said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that is for all people who can afford it. For there will be given great feasts of turkey, dressing in cake and many presents, and this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the presents wrapped in bright paper, lying beneath a tree, adorned with tinsel, colored with balls and lights. And suddenly there will be with you a multitude of relatives and friends praising you and saying, thank you so much, this is just what I wanted. And it shall come to pass, as the friends and relatives have gone their way to their own homes, the parents shall say to one another, what a mess we have to clean up. I'm tired. Let's go to bed. We'll pick it up tomorrow. Thank goodness Christmas only comes once a year. Can I get an amen to that? And then at the end it says this, and they go with haste to their cold bed and find their desired rest. How many of you are just ready for rest right now? Right, Year after year, Christmas comes around, and yet the majority, here's the deal, the majority of people, now we don't often think about this because a lot of the people that we associate with, a lot of people who grew up in a Christian home and Christian family, most of the people that you hang out with during the Christmas season do similar things or the same things that you do. But most of the world don't even give a second thought to what Christmas is about. They don't even give a second thought to the only reason we celebrate this time of year anyway. You know, they don't understand that without Christ, it's just must. There's nothing to it. But God, because he loved the world so much, he came into the world and he put on human flesh. And that's the cool thing. He started out the same way that you and I did. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus came into this world the same way that you and I did. Yet far too many don't ever take the time to acknowledge this king or worship him, bow down to him. We come today on this Christmas Sunday to worship the one who changed everything uh, with his birth. And I don't want you to misunderstand this, this message this morning. I, I, you need to get this if you don't get anything else this Christmas season. Without him um, coming and doing what he did, uh, coming as a baby like he did, he wouldn't have been able to do everything else that he did while he walked the earth. Right? He lived a perfect life. He had to be born like us. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserve on the old rugged cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And because of this, we have hope and we have peace and we have joy and we have 
love for one another. And this morning as we wrap up this Christmas series, we're going to do a recap of what we've talked about this last month. And now what I don't want you to do, I don't want you to zone out right now thinking, okay, this is just review so I don't have to pay attention. You need to pay attention because next Sunday there's going to be a test. All right? Uh, you think I'm joking, right? There's really good. No, there's not. We're going to, we, di- we just want to make sure that, that uh, this very important message of why he came is, is with us, not just this time of year, but every, every single day uh, of our lives. And over the past four weeks, we've been talking about the coming of Christ, what Advent is about, the coming of the Christ, but it also points to his coming again when he returns to take us home. And this Christmas story, it's a, it's a powerful, incredible story. It's filled with wonder. It's filled with miracles. It's filled with stuff that happens in our everyday lives as well. It's the story of Jesus coming to earth and giving us the most wonderful gift for all of eternity. And we've walked through uh, various parts of the Christmas story. And as we've walked through these different parts of the story, we've seen these different characters. We've taken a look at how the lives uh, of certain individuals were changed whenever they came into contact with the Christ child. And that's what I want for you. Your life should be different. Since you came to know Jesus, your life should be different than it used to be. Since you've encountered Jesus. I would even go so far as to say, if your life is not different now than it was before you encountered Jesus, then you haven't really encountered Jesus, you've just become a part of a church. And that's a huge difference. Your life should be different. And we see that he brings hope, and he brings joy, and he brings love, and he brings peace into the lives of these people in the Christmas story, and he can do the exact same thing for every single one of us today who are in this place and those who are watching. So let's recap this amazing story of God's love for us, and we're going to do so by looking at how the greatest Christmas is found in Jesus because he gives us hope in our uncertainties. He gives us hope in our uncertainties. Hope is what keeps us alive. Hope is the fuel of faith. It's the fuel of dreams. It's the fuel of possibilities. It's the whisper of maybe, just maybe, this is possible. That's what hope is. In the worst of sufferings, in the worst of catastrophes, there's always remained this, this flicker of hope. You think about the enslavement of people down through the years and the imprisonment and the torture and the tragedy. There have been those people that we read stories about and we see movies about that have clung to even the smallest sparks of, of hope. And then something happened that kind of fanned those into a flame and they were able to keep going because they had hope. And eventually they were rescued and they were released from their bondage because they had this, this hope. You think about all throughout Jewish history. There were people who had hope because they had this covenant with God and there was this promise that God was going to restore them. There was going to be this restoration and there was going to be this blessing through the Messiah. But as time dragged on and the nation was plundered by other nations, I can imagine that there were people who were starting to give up hope. In fact, they were saying, it's recorded in scripture, how long, oh God? That was the cry of the ancient people as year after year after after year, century after century after century passed, and there was still no Messiah. But there were those people among the Jews who kept hope alive. 
And they lived expectantly that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. That God was going to come through. You remember Simeon and Anna that we talked about a few weeks ago? They encountered the baby Jesus. They had lived their entire lives, long, difficult lives, knowing loss, knowing disappointment. But here's the deal. Even in the midst of their difficult times, they never abandoned hope. They never gave up. And when they saw the baby Jesus, when he was about six weeks old in the temple, they knew without a doubt that this was the Messiah, that this was the promised one. This was the Son of God. And they were ready and they were waiting for this moment. They were expecting this moment and they embraced that moment as they saw hope realized. And they rejoiced and they worshiped and they spread the news and the flames of their hope spread beyond just them and it became uh, uh, indwelled in other people and they started to live their lives with hope as well. It was multiplied. Let me ask you a question today because you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I know this story, but what does that have to do with me? Let me ask you this question, church. How is the flame of your hope right now? As you look at your life, as you look at what is going on in our world, as you think about the things that you are facing right now, what is your hope right now? What's it like? I want to encourage you, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you're at, to rediscover hope this Christmas in the coming of the Christ child. With the arrival of who the Bible calls Emmanuel, God with us. God has come to restore hope. He has come to restore the hope of our salvation, the hope of restoration for our lives, the hope of healing, the hope of his continued work in us that one day we will be complete in our bodies and we're going to be complete in our souls. And this world that we live in now, praise the Lord, we're not going to have to live in it anymore. Can I get an amen to that? That's what Christmas is all about. And so we humbly worship him today. Hoping to find this renewal of hope within us. To take that next step of faith. That next step of hope. That's going to give us the strength to carry forward. No matter, no matter what we might be facing. But this verse is our prayer. Let's rediscover the hope that Christ has come and he's working in our lives today. This is Paul. He's writing to the church at Rome and he's in chapter 15, verse 13. He writes this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you today as well, if you are sinking in despair and you're losing your hope. That's what the greatest Christmas is all about. It's also about finding uh, that, that uh, peace in Jesus because he gives us peace in the midst of our struggles. And listen, I get it. Life is hard. Um, the struggles are real. But so is the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ is just as real as the struggle that you're going through. And it's available to us through Jesus and through his Holy Spirit. When you think back to the night of the announcement of Jesus' birth, 
Remember, it came on a dark night, right? And the angels begin their announcement to the shepherds. What were the words that they said? Do you remember? Don't be afraid. Why? Because they were terrified. Wouldn't you be? It's, it's, it's pitch black out. It's dark out. All of a sudden, boom, an angel comes out of nowhere. Wouldn't you freak out just a little bit? And then to top it all, all off, a, a whole host of angels, the Bible says, comes. And they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they were human. That's what we do sometimes. And I understand there's a lot in this world that causes us to fear. There's so much that happens that we struggle to understand sometimes. For the shepherds, It's amazing that they were even a part of this story. And, and God shows up in the middle of the night sky through these angels and announces to them uh, that things are going to change. Things are going to be different. Life will be different. Not just for you guys, but for everybody. Luke 10, we saw the kids uh, recite it. I cannot do that. I will read it. Okay, but in Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he arrived on earth. This is what it said. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will, be, uh, that will bring great joy. I can't even read it. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying these things. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's an amazing, amazing story. The favor of God is here. Do you understand that? The favor of God is here. It's with humans. The peace of what the Jews called shalom Remember we talked about this? The, the, the Jewish concept of shalom, it was this concept of fullness, of safety, of completeness, of wholeness, of being more than you could possibly be without God. This, this idea of shalom is available to you, that you can have this restoration with God. And it's a peace that settles our souls so deeply that we don't even understand it. It's this calm acceptance that it is well with my soul, no matter what storms blow up around me. In a sense, it's almost like the coming of Jesus was the eye of the hurricane of human existence. Because we had all this chaos in the world, right? We had all this, this chaos in the world before Jesus came, and, and we have all this chaos that's going on now, and right in the middle of time, they split time in half because Jesus was born. Right in the middle of time, there was this peace, this eye of the storm in Jesus with all of this stuff circling around us, all of this junk in the past and in the, the even the present, but it not necessarily getting to us because we have hope in Jesus and certainly in the future, all of these things that are going on, but we have this opportunity to know this stillness and this peace that no matter what's swirling around us, we can be still and know that he's God. And it's my hope that you rediscover that this Christmas, that Jesus is the eye of the 
hurricane where there is this complete calm and stillness. The storms are going to come. We know that. There might be some of you who are out there this morning, those, those winds are howling around you right now. But let me invite you to step into the shelter of the peace of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you to turn your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you to bring him your hurts. Bring him your needs. And rediscover that peace that only he can offer. This past week, a friend of mine who's a part of the Indiana Gospel Music Association. In fact, uh, uh, Rich, you might remember him, Rich. He was a part of the group that... Uh, sang here one Sunday morning, part of a trio. This past week, uh, he has a son who's a pilot in Hawaii, and his job is to transport patients back and forth between the islands because there's not good hospitals on all the islands, and so he has to fly patients back and forth between the islands. Uh, late last week, Rich received a call that his son's plane went missing, and uh, they haven't found the plane, nor any signs of survivors. And I reached out to Rich to let him know that we'd be praying for them. And he said to me, he said, Ron, we're all doing okay. He said, my son was a believer. I had 47 years with a wonderful son. Thank you for your prayers. Now, I hope I never have to experience anything even close to that. But if I ever did, I would hope that I would have that kind of calm assurance and that kind of peace in my life after losing someone like that. Paul says this in Philippians 4. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Next, we learn that because Jesus came as a baby on that first Christmas, we can have the greatest Christmas, even in the midst of turmoil, because we can find joy in the midst of discouragement. Now, I got to admit to you, last week, I was able to find joy in the midst of discouragement. Let me explain. You all know I'm a sports fan, and first of all, last Saturday, we have this highly anticipated matchup between IU and Kansas. I was really excited. I was pumped up. Anybody with me? Okay, a few of us, all right, that's good. And my Hoosiers got absolutely throttled by 22 points. Later that day, the Colts, who are my second favorite football team, blew the largest lead in NFL history when they blew a 35-point advantage to the Minnesota Vikings. Congratulations, Kevin Roth. You're the only person happy about that. And then on Sunday, my favorite football team, the Dallas Cowboys, who many are calling one of the best teams in the league this year, blew a big lead against a very bad Jaguars team. And then Sunday night, I thought, surely the Pacers are going to give me some hope. They're going to bring me some joy. And they lost to the Knicks. They lost too. And I don't know why I let sports get me down so much. But I woke up Monday morning and I saw that IU was still ranked ahead of UK. And that brought me joy. 
even in the midst of discouragement. And I'm not even talking to Purdue fans right now. I don't even want to go down that road. I'm not even talking to you. I'm hiding from you. So if, Jamie, I do not want to talk to you after the service, all right? But in all seriousness, we all have those times. We have those days. We have those weeks. We have those years. Maybe you've had a life where it's discouragement after discouragement after discouragement. But even through all of that, Christ can fill you with his joy that defies our circumstances. King David wrote this in the Psalms, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And sometimes that night can feel so long. Sometimes it's night after night after night as we try to carry on. Sometimes happiness and contentment feels so elusive, it feels so distant, but sometimes it pours out of us, kind of like the eruption of a geyser. I don't know if you've ever seen Old Faithful uh, before, but just kind of erupts out. Just joy, you just can't contain it. Have you ever been so excited that you, you just can't contain the joy? The other night, we're out eating. Uh, we're at uh, Camila's, the Mexican restaurant, and uh, we're, we're with Nick and Macy and Avit, and we're waiting on Andy and Judy to walk in, and Andy and Judy walk in, and Avit hadn't seen Andy and Judy. That's Nene and Nene to, to him, and, and he sees Nene and Nene, and he just gets so excited, and his shoulders rear up, and his eyes teared up. He was so happy because he hadn't seen him in a few days because he'd been sick and they kind of staying away and they weren't feeling well. And, and, and he was just so, he had so much joy that he couldn't contain it. That's, that's the kind of joy that I think God wants us to have in our lives. Even in the midst of disappointment. We think about the greatest Christmas being available through Jesus, through the great joy that is, that is available through, through him and, and how that's the strength that sustains us. And we read about how Mary and Elizabeth, that incredible story, how they united in the joy of their pregnancies. Both were miraculous. And, and for Elizabeth, remember Elizabeth? It was just this fulfillment of this entire life being disgraced and being shamed because she wasn't able to have a baby. And now all of that is erased. Because God came through for her and her joy erased decades, decades of disgrace. For Mary, she sees her cousin and she becomes filled with joy because finally she sees someone who gets it. Who understands that her pregnancy is miraculous as well because she knows what she's about to face when she goes back. And people start talking about, here's this young unwed girl and here's this Joseph guy. And, and the, the rumors were swirling. Surely Mary knew she was going to face scorn and disbelief and misunderstanding. But then she encounters Elizabeth and between the two of them they're able to have this joy. I hope you have that in your life. I hope you have that good, close friend that you can share your joys with, that you can share your discouragements with. For some of us, Christmas is a joyful season filled with songs and celebrations and traditions. For others, it's not so joyous. It's a difficult time. It's filled with disappointment. And probably for most of us, Christmas is probably a mixture of both. It's my hope that we all rediscover joy this Christmas season as we choose to rejoice.
See, it's an option. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Joy is an option. You can, you can choose to wallow in self-pity or you can choose joy. And as we pour out our hearts to him, even in the midst of our pain, he can transform our weeping into joy. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That's your reward for trusting him. The salvation of your souls. And then finally, we can find love in our differences. There's so much in our world that drives us apart. Have you noticed that? The enemy is doing everything that he can possibly do to, to make that, that wedge and that chasm even deeper and farther. Now, let me encourage you that the love of Christ runs deeper than any of those divisions. If we start to um, flood this world with grace and we start to flood this world with forgiveness and unity, I think we're going to see an amazing difference in our lives. And that's going to spill over into the lives of other people. I think we all long so deeply to be loved. The desire for love is so dominant in our culture. I think when future archaeologists and anthropologists, when they look back at our civilization, right, I, I think uh, they start to explore the, the artifacts of our era, they're probably going to conclude, well, they're going to conclude a lot of things. They're probably going to scratch their heads and go, what in the world? But they're also probably going to understand and see that love was a huge part of our culture. It's one of the most important qualities of our society as they listen to our songs, as they watch our movies and our TV shows, and they read the literature. It's all filled with themes of love, people longing for it, people celebrating, people mourning the loss of it, people remembering it. And at Christmas, there's, a, there's even a whole genre of holiday romance songs and shows and movies. We used to have, there was only one. There was only Fa-La-La-La Lifetime. Remember that? When there was just the one. And I could deal with that. That was okay. But now there is Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas. What's that? Ion? Now, see, that's one I don't even know about, Tom. Shh. Stacy's sitting right back here. Shh. Don't say that, all right? Ion, Up TV, Great American Family Channel. There's probably nine or ten others. Ion, all of these other ones that are just, boom, movie after movie after movie after movie. All these things are, are, are filled. It's all about love because they're craving it and they're desiring it and we're captivated by it. And people struggle so badly to be loved on an individual level, on a societal level. And, and instead of a culture that exemplifies love, here's what happens. Even though it's all in our movies and in all of our entertainment, all of our art, it's all there. We live in a country that is so divided and so filled with hate. Why is that? It's because the, the majority of people in this country don't understand the love of Christ. Right? 
He was this bridge of love that unites us. He's this long-promised Messiah sent because God loves us so much that he allowed his only son to be murdered on that tree that Kendall talked about a little while ago, to be the sacrifice for all of our sins. And when he did that, he made a way for us to be restored into a relationship with God himself, who is love. Because the greatest Christmas can't be found in anything that you can buy or do or ever hope to be. The greatest gift can't be found under a tree. It's in a baby sent to die for you and me. Do you believe that this morning? If not, why not? And you might be sitting out there this morning. You might be watching online today. You might be sitting out there thinking, I, I struggle believing in someone or I struggle believing in something I can't see. One of the most popular Christmas movies of our day is The Polar Express. Robert Zemeckis not only directed it, but he helped write it as well. And he said this in an interview one time. Here, I want to quote him, make sure I get it right. This is a story everyone can relate to. So many of us as children or adults have questioned our belief in something or gone through the process of having our faith tested and restored. Kids can take the story literally as a journey to find Santa Claus, while older folks might understand it as a metaphor for much bigger ideas. It deals with the symbols of Christmas, but at its core, it's a universal story about belief in things you don't completely see or understand. I want you to watch just this one-minute clip that I think is a huge part of the movie. It's the focal point of the movie, and you'll miss it if you're not paying attention. I want you to see this. I want you to understand it. I want you to watch the movie in a completely different light the next time. Watch this. Sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. Is it possible that Zemeckis and the Polar Express people are saying, there's something out there, there's someone out there that is the most real thing, even though you cannot see him? 
the most important, and, and I would argue that you can see him if you look for it, but the most important thing that has ever happened happened 2,000 years ago in a small village in Bethlehem. And if you're sitting out there this morning and you don't believe in that, I encourage you to investigate it. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to maybe read it with new eyes and understand that that baby coming 2,000 years ago, the babe of Bethlehem culminated in the Christ of of Calvary 2,000 years later. And because of that gift, we have the opportunity to have our ticket punched, not to the North Pole like the movie suggests, but to heaven. And not only do we have a ticket to everlasting life, but when He becomes the Lord of our lives, when we understand that He is real, when we believe, we start to see those things that maybe we didn't see before. When He's the Lord of our lives, we understand the hope and the peace and the joy and the love. And that gives us the greatest Christmas that we could ever experience. And if you want to punch your ticket to a life like this, the Bible teaches us that you confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. You repent of your sins. You're baptized into Him for the washing away of your sins. And you discover a life like you've never known before. I'm going to encourage you to stand with me as our worship team comes. And and maybe you're here today and you've not experienced this. Um, We want to give you the chance to do that. You can make your way to the front. Uh, You can catch us after the service. Text us through our church connection number. I encourage you today, as the psalmist said in chapter 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Let's bow together.